Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. People always ask me what it was like when I was dead. I think the better question is, how am I alive? The answer starts with this man named Jesus. The day I died, he told my father, don't worry, just believe. My father, a city leader, a well-respected man was, he was crying, begging at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, just believe. Believe. Jesus started to come help, then he got distracted by someone, and when he finally did arrive at our house, he told all the mourners I was just sleeping. Not dead. Sleeping. They laughed at him. Everyone in the room laughed. Not everyone. My father, he believed that day. He believed Jesus. You see, before it all happened, I called him father. But after that day, I called him daddy. I found out what he was willing to do to have me back, what he was willing to give up to save me. My daddy threw off everything he was, a ruler, a proud man, an important member of society, to fall at the feet of the last hope for his little girl. My daddy, He would tell you that Jesus, too, threw off all he was, everything that belonged to him, and died like a criminal for our sakes. So that all of us could be brought back to life. That's how I am alive. Jairus and his, the situation with his daughter is a great example of when faith is tested, when you are promised by God that something's going to happen, and yet you look around and you say, I don't see it. Like, how's this going to happen? Like, how's, right, where you just see, like, all the reasons why it can't happen rather than whether it can, and yet he calls us to simply believe. Believe because I'm God. And so as we look at faith, and especially when faith is tested, how to still embrace that belief even when it's murky 
and we can't really see how God will answer the way he says. We still stand on faith. Lord, your word is true, and you know so well what each and every one of us in this room needs. You formed us, you made us, you know our experiences and our pasts and how we've come in here today, some with exuberant faith and belief and others dragging themselves in here, maybe not sure what they believe and everywhere in between. And so, Father, I pray through your truth, through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you give us what we need to leave here closer to you and standing on faith even when it's hard. And we ask this humbly in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So how are we doing this morning? Great. Well, we've been in this series of faith, as you know. So uh, if you're one of those uh, teacher's pets and you want to follow around and uh, follow along, I should say, uh, you can find Hebrews 11 and Genesis. Uh, I think we're starting in uh, chapter 27. We're going to bop around a little bit as we sort of finish the, fi- the people that he, uh, the, the Hebrews writer brings out from Genesis. And uh, as you do this, this is, as Brian mentioned, as, as we uh, kind of, you always, in the, it's basically the most important week of the church calendar. It's what we call Holy Week. And man, it's going to be a lot better than last year. <laughs> I mean, at least from my perspective, showing up on Resurrection Sunday with nobody but a few people. Um, so I'm so thankful. As busy as it will be, it's still trying to deal with restrictions. Um, so glad, and it's been so good. We've seen more and more people come back. I've gotten vaccinated and that kind of thing. So uh, it's just been answer to prayer. And so this week, if you've um, new to our church in the last, say, two years, since last year was different, um, or you just don't remember, we kind of celebrate it together this way um, uh, Thursday night. It's what call, is called Maundy Thursday. I know that's confusing if you've never heard that term. It's not Monday, Thursday. Maundy, it's a, it's a word that just simply means command, that, that Jesus commanded us to celebrate and remember his sacrifice by celebrating the Lord's Supper, specifically his last supper, the Passover, where he instituted that, right? So it's a great uh, time, great gathering, 7 p.m. here. Uh, Still some room to sign up, so if you're like, oh, I want to go to that, uh, I recommend it. It's a great journey. Kind of think of the week as a process. Uh, And then Friday is Good Friday, another service at 7 p.m. That's an awesome time where we reflect on the cross, worship, pray, and uh, uh, we finish that with the candles. If you were with us on Christmas Eve, you know how awesome that is. So um, so cool that we bring it out a second time and finish Good Friday. So again, you can sign up for that. Uh, And of course, we have four uh, different gatherings for Saturday and Sunday for Resurrection Saturday and Sunday, I guess we should call it, um, and hopefully next year you'll just be able to go and not have to sign up, but we're, we're still there, so you can go on our website, it's just called Save My Seat on the homepage if you've never done that, um, or be on the lookout for texts and emails, so um, hopefully we'll see you. It's just a great time if you're feeling a little bit eh in your faith, uh, Holy Week's a good time to kind of, let me, let me get my Bible out every day, let me maybe read the events of the last week, let me come to church, and by the end, you feel like just exude more, uh, uh, just inspired in your faith, and, and it can be a great week to do that. So I suggest you do that, and uh, we'd love to be a part of that with you. So um, this, this uh, uh, series has all stemmed from Hebrews chapter 11, right? And, and I could have just pointed out the kind of the key verse on our banner and, and all of that, but put it on the, on the screen for you because this is kind of the, the launching point of all of these 
uh, faith people we have seen, and we'll see today, right? It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? So, so when faith is tested, right, like the, we saw in the video, Jairus, is, uh, Jairus with his daughter being dead and interaction with Jesus, or as we're going to see today uh, with the three patriarchs, right, that, that sometimes, like, God has promised something, but I don't see it, right? So it's a conviction, that, that, that even though I don't see it, a conviction means you don't just sort of believe something and go about your day. It changes how you live, right? I'm conviction, and even though everyone else might point out how that doesn't seem to be happening and how that doesn't seem to be coming true, I believe, right? Even though I don't see. And, and, and so that's what this Hebrews writer's been trying to do. Remember, this wasn't just some poem he wrote. This was a plea to a church just like ours, Right? Differences, different time, different culture, right? But brought together by the blood of Christ. And, and yet, they had done great things at church, but they were tired, right? They were tired of looking around like, I know we've had all these promises, but where are they? We're being persecuted, hunted down, thrown in prison, all because we believe in Jesus. And, and so some people were just like, forget it. And so the Hebrews writer is just trying to give them this whole letter to say, don't give up. Don't give up. Have faith. Believe. Right? And so he, he's been going through all of this and um, using different, very well-known uh, uh, people, men and women of the Old Testament. And, and so, so far, he's kind of gone through Genesis. And uh, we capped it off last couple of weeks, Pastor Bob doing an amazing job talking about Sarah and Abraham and his, his sacrifice of Isaac. And so now the Hebrews writer is going to pick up uh, really quick snippets of the next three patriarchs that finishes out Genesis, right? Isaac, we've already saw as a young man with his father Abraham, right? And then Jacob and then Joseph. Except he's going to skip all a bunch of events that we can read in the Bible about their lives and, and focused on their three end-of-life scenes, right? And, and, and so he rattles those off that they had faith during those times, and he starts with Isaac. And, and so Isaac, <laughs> you, you, you remember as a young man, we saw this last week, he's, he, he, he was, his father brought him to sacrifice him, like the promise of God, right, that he made to Abraham that all this nation is grow up, and, and, and you're going to bless all the nations on the earth. You're going to have descendants like the stars in the sky, Abraham, right? You have this one son where this promise is supposed to be carried forth, and God says, now I want you to go sacrifice him for me, right? And Abraham did. Now, we saw the great faith of Abraham in that last week, right? But what about Isaac? He wasn't a little child, right? He was a young man. When Abraham's bringing him to sacrifice him, like at what point could he have been like, you know what, you crazy old fool, get off of me. I don't want this. But he didn't. And, and so even as a young man, because of the legacy of his dad, Isaac had faith, now, you can read uh, in Genesis what happened. Isaac got married, he had some children, specifically twin boys, right? Esau was born first, and then Jacob. And they were as dysfunctional as can be. And as we get to this final kind of uh, end-of-life scene of Isaac, he's blind, he's weak, he's in bed, right? And he wants to give this final blessing, which was very important to their culture, because it, it was all about inheritance and the promises of God being carried on through you. And so he's, he wants to bless, and of course, he wants to bless Esau, because he's the oldest son. That's what you did, right? He wants to, and yet Esau's brother, Jacob, 
steals that blessing we're about to see, right? He, 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 uh, he, he tricks uh, Esau, has Esau go out, and he dresses up like Esau, and his mother helps him connive against his own father. And so as we see this great blessing, this blind old patriarch, Isaac, thinks he's blessing one son, he's really blessing a different son, and yet we're going to see in all of this is faith, and you should love how much God used this dysfunctional family. Because if you're here and saying, you know what, Jamie, my family's kind of a mess. I don't come from the greatest family in our family. Great! God can use you. Because God used this dysfunctional family to carry his promise. That's a beautiful thing, as you'll see, about faith. Is it can always start today. Right? I don't care what your resume is. It can always start today. And so, this weak, blind Isaac begins to bless who he thinks is Esau. But it's really Jacob. And it says, may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Verse 29. And I'm stuck. Can you flip to that? Oh, maybe I'm not stuck. Thank you. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. All right? So he, Jacob is praying and he finds out later when Esau comes for his blessing, what happened? <laughs> I just prayed this blessing over the wrong son. right? But when Esau says, Dad, give me a blessing, he did bless him but completely different. So Isaac, in all of this trickery and dysfunction, recognizes that God has a different plan, and he trusts it. And he says, well, he obviously wants to promise to go through Jacob, even though Jacob's tricking, lying, thieving, right? And yet, this is what God has chosen. So he blesses Esau. We won't look at that, but he, he does it completely in a different way. He's going to be blessed another way, but he's not going to carry forth the promise that God has made. And so, uh, the, the, but the, so, so this is the, the blessing he, he gives. Hebrews 11, right, verse 20 says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Right? So you can sit there and be like, huh? How faithful was that? He's blind, he's weak, he's in bed, he didn't even know which son's in front of him, and yet the Hebrews writer gives him credit for faith. A weak, broken, kind of uh, doesn't seem to know what's going on kind of guy has faith. Isn't that inspiring to you? Because you could have walked in here today and say, I don't have my stuff together at all. I'm messed up, I've blown it, I'm not even sure why God would want to use me, and yet he will. You can believe today. How is this faithful for Isaac? It's faithful because he's dwelling in tents in this promised land. There's, there's some, you know, some kids and there's been some blessings of God, no question. But the promise he made to Abraham and then to him, Jake, to Isaac, like, I don't see it and I'm about to die. By the way, he wouldn't die right then. Isaac had some years left. He just thought he was. But he's looking around and he's living in tents. He's got a dysfunctional family. His wife's, like, right? And yet... What does this blessing say? God will do it. I believe God's word, and I believe God's power and God's promise. And so when we are in a position today where we might have blown it or we're not really sure, like I know God's made promises that I know I'm supposed to believe, but right, as I just said, belief starts today. 
You don't have to build up towards it. You could choose today. I believe God. Other people might say, well, I mean, it's kind of crazy. You're just intense. You're, you know, God says he's going to give you this huge nation. Where's that? I believe God. Not with me, my kid, his kid. It's going to happen because it's God. And I cling to his truth. And so, eventually, he would die. And Jacob, his son, spends a lot of time being a mess. A broken road of pride and sin that led him to faith and humility. Anyone relate to that? A lot of broken roads in this, in this church right now. Right? A lot of broken roads. And so Jacob, he, he, he lied to his dad, he lied to his brother, he stole, he connived. He eventually wrestled literally with God. Right? I mean, who does that but Jacob? And so through all of that, many other things, right, he grew to be an older man who was a faithful man who had received the promise of God that, yes, you and your family will one day be a great nation. He's still intense, right? Now, he has, uh, a lot of you know the story, but he had children as well, especially some sons, and one of his youngest sons, right, is Joseph, and Joseph uh, was hated by his brothers because well, his dad loved him more than he loved them. And so, or at least they saw it that way. And so they found an opportunity to beat their brother Joseph to a bloody pulp. And they leave him to die in a pit, right, as an older teenager, young man. But then they decide to do well by Joseph. You know what? Let's sell him into slavery instead. And so they do. They sell him into slavery. And he ends up in a caravan. And he ends up in Egypt, literally Joseph, for the rest of his life. Jacob thinks Joseph's dead, right? And so he mourns and grieves that. And years go by. Joseph, through a lot of other things, right, ends up becoming the top guy besides Pharaoh in the most powerful, at that time, nation in the world. But Jacob doesn't know any of that, thinks his son's dead. But then comes a famine, right? And he sends his sons to Egypt to go get food. They don't recognize Joseph, who is so powerful, because he's completely an Egyptian at this point. But Joseph recognizes them. And through a big dramatic scene, they eventually reunite. And Jacob goes to Egypt. And his sons and their whole family goes and they live and dwell in Egypt. Now that's great and everything. But now think about Jacob, end of his life, right? About to bless Joseph and Joseph's two sons, his grandsons, right? And, and yet, they're not only not intense anymore, they're not even close to the promised land anymore. They're in Egypt. You can't be further away from God's promise, Right? That's this old man, right? That's where, where, where Jacob is at this point. And, and his blessing that the Hebrews writer will refer to is in Genesis 48. It says, and he blessed Joseph. And he said, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, right, Joseph's two sons. And in them, let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He hasn't stopped believing, has he? I mean, he could have easily just be like, you know what, my sons blew it. They tried to kill their kid, my other son. Like, obviously, the promises of God are null and void. We're in Egypt. At least we're healthy and we're safe. But that's not, that's not Jacob. Instead, he believes, God promised this. I have no idea how this is going to happen, but it's going to because it's God's word. A little bit later in, in that conversation, it's, it, it says this in verse 21. 
Then Israel, which is a name God gave Jacob, said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. What? That's faith when it's tested, you see? Like, we're in Egypt. We're nowhere near that. Even when we were, we were no big nation. We were nothing, and yet I believe that through you, God will do it. Why? Simply because he said it. And he's God. So what the Hebrews writer says of, of Jacob is this in verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. An old man, ready to die, not seeing anything that God has done. Hard to believe that all that he promised could possibly take place. Joseph's this big man in Egypt. Let's just enjoy the world's stuff. He could have had that attitude, but he didn't. By faith, he clung. He just clung to God's promises and God's power. You see, he not only did that, the Hebrews writer says, in the midst of that, he what? He worshipped. He worshipped. Worship's the fruit of faith. You see, and it's the most powerful thing when faith is tested. It's a great thing to worship on your birthday, your baptism day, or to worship on your wedding day. But it's a whole other thing, isn't it, to worship on your death day, isn't it? That's what he did. Or that day you're so sick, you can't get out of bed. Worship. That's faith when it's tested. I remember my mother-in-law a number of years ago. She got cancer and um, and she went came home in her living room and the hospice bed. A scene that many of you have experienced with people you love. It's not a fun time. It's hard. A lot of tears. A lot of grieving. And yet you do it because you have to. And I remember one day I was getting close to to the end of her journey and. Um, we were invited over, as we went over a lot during those days, of course. And three people from Sharon, my mother-in-law's church, were coming over from their worship team. I brought a couple of guitars, some song sheets, spread them around, and we worshipped in that living room. Sharon worshipped. And we worshipped with great joy, but with great tears. It's quite a thing to worship on your death day, isn't it? To be able to say, I believe. I don't see it right now. I'm too weak. I'm too sick. I don't know, right? But I believe because he's God and he's promised. That's when faith is tested. Anyone at any point could say, I cling to God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what everything in front of my face says. I believe. That's what Jacob did. That's what his father Isaac did. It's a beautiful um, Legacy, despite all the brokenness and all the bad choices and bad decisions that every one of us has in our life, you have a legacy of faith when it's tested. And so the last one the Hebrews writer brings out is Joseph. And so Joseph, I've already kind of given you his story, right? Except he uh, wasn't just left for dead in a pit, sold into slavery. He, he was uh, a servant 
for Potiphar, but of course he got wrongly accused of being with Potiphar's wife, and so he ended up in prison for two years. But eventually, because God blessed Joseph, he becomes that right-hand man in power, and of course his whole family's now living with him in Egypt, nowhere near the promised land, and he lives this amazing life, 110 years old. I think about it. Joseph lived 10 times almost longer in Egypt than he did in the promised land. In fact, Joseph could easily be like, promised land? All I remember about that is my own brothers beating me up and trying to kill me and selling me into slavery. The rest of my life has been awesome in Egypt. Make no mistake about it. Joseph is an Egyptian. He dresses like an Egyptian. He speaks like an Egyptian. He's the most powerful man besides Pharaoh in Egypt. He's an Egyptian. And yet, now comes his time to die, right? And so what is he going to do? Is he gathers his family around, some of his brothers who are still left, and uh, the Genesis uh, says this. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God, but God, will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear. You swear to me, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died. My friends, let Please let our legacy be the last words before we die. For all intents and purposes, say, I believe God. I don't care what anyone else says or does, I believe God. And so he's an Egyptian. In fact, I don't think he'd get a pyramid because he's not a pharaoh. But man, you bet he would have a huge funeral. Huge fanfare, probably a monument to his name where he'd be buried and respected throughout Egypt for all generations. And he says, don't you bury me here. This isn't my home. This isn't my, where my God is. This is just temporary. You bring my bones with you because God is going to do what he said. I might not live to see it, but you might or your kids might, but we believe God. And so they do. They kept his bones, and eventually when they made the exodus, they brought him with him with a hint, I think, that life doesn't end here, does it? That there is something greater beyond our bones in this life. And so the Hebrews writer says this. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. And he gave directions concerning his bones. That's something, isn't it? Gave directions concerning his bones. One of the hardest tests of faith, and I, I want, especially any young, the younger you are, you need to hear me on this. Because, man, the lie is out there so easy to buy, okay? That the greatest test sometimes of our faith isn't painful times. It's times of prosperity. It's when we start to believe our own hype, how talented we are, how good we are. Quite frankly, what do I need God for? certainly don't need him right now. Things are going awesome. You get as powerful and prosperous as Joseph, it's hard to stop thinking, I might be God. Pharaoh thought he was God. Prosperity. Oh, the, 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 the attraction to the shiny things of this world, right? That, that we, we feel like will satisfy us, and they're like vapor, like Solomon said. Here today, gone tomorrow. Joseph, listen, I don't care how prosperous you might get in this life. You will never touch how prosperous Joseph was, right? Rich, famous, powerful. He had it all 
family, every way of measuring life and prosperity, Joseph had it. And that's a test of faith where he could have been like, what do I need God for? What do I need his promises for? What do I need his word for? That's not what he did. He said, I believe and I will cling to those promises. Because in the end, Joseph said, all I ever want is God. Right? When I was in the pit, I just wanted more of God. When I was in the caravan of slavery, I just wanted God. When I was in prison for two years, I just wanted more of God. When I was on the throne, right, next to Pharaoh, I just wanted God. And now that I'm about to die, I just want God. That's faith. It can test us in all kinds of places. It can test us in the painful times, in the messy times, in the grieving times, and even more so sometimes in the prosperous times. And the question is, what will you, me, do? When it doesn't seem like God's promises are coming true. And so the answer is, just as we've seen our patriarchs do, and as the Hebrews writer points out, is to cling. You know what that is, right? You ever clung to something like, ah! Ever done that? Well, I've made, I have no shame, so... I've told you before that I'm not much of a roller coaster person. Anyone here love rides like the faster the better? I hate you. No, I don't hate you. I love you. No, there's, we need people like you in the world, right? It's like you're like the test dummies, right? Go, and uh, once you figure out the wrong thing, then I'll go, right? So, no, but I, my kids, my wife, they love them too. So we'll go to amusement parks. I told you a few years ago, I ended up a ride uh, next to Paul Swader, good friend, part of our church, right? And he loves roller coasters, and he especially takes great pleasure in trying to get me on ones that will terrify me, right? And so I ended up on that ride clinging to Paul literally with my teeth. And he has scars to prove it, okay? And so uh, that's just kind of like I usually don't go on them, but every once in a while I'm like, you know what, I think I can do this. Um, and it doesn't work out well. This past uh, trip, we were on the Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if you've ever been on that. It's an old ride at, at Magic Kingdom. So if you've ever gone to Disney, uh, you've probably been on it. One of my favorites because it's pretty tame and it's pretty awesome. But, of course, right in the beginning, it has this really, really tiny flume, right? Or in the dark, you just kind of go, woo! But to me, it's, ah! And my daughter, Grace, loves it because when she was seven, we went on it like six times, right? So it's a tradition. I have to sit next to Grace, right? And we were on with this big group this past time, and they were all, I kid you not, as we're about to go down and yelling out what they wanted for lunch. What's your lunch order? And Grace looks at me, and I'm going, here we go. And I would cling to Grace, and whoo, we went down it. And it's fun, but that's about all I can handle. And that is what it means to cling, Right? Because life's like that. It's like a roller coaster. It's like a giant, like, I don't know, except you're not sure if it's going to crash and burn. At least those, you're pretty sure it won't. It's been tested, right? But life feels that way. feels like sometimes, and, and, and what you have to do when you're not seeing what's going on, and the ride's in the dark, or you're going backwards, and you're like, why am I going so fast, and why is life doing this? You cling, right? You cling in a couple of ways, right? You, when faith is tested, cling to God's word, not to the side of a roller coaster, but to his truth, to his promise. That's what they did. That's what Jairus did. Jesus said it would happen. I don't know how, but I'm going to believe it, right? Cling to, you know, the, if you're a Christian here today, the Bible has literally given you hundreds of promises. Not maybes, not if you're a good boy or girl. They are promises, Right? And they often are promises where we're like, I don't see it. That's when faith is tested. Right? There's, there's so many of them. 
But, um, you know, w- one of my favorites is when, when Jesus said this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Right? Christians are not supposed to be scared of the world. We're not supposed to be panicking and saying, I can't believe how the world, like, of course he said it was going to get like this. But he also said, I've overcome it. So yeah, he never said, freak out, Christians. He said, be ready. Right? Because why? I've overcome. Now there's times we wake up, we're like, it doesn't feel like anybody's overcome this world. Jesus said, believe. I've overcome it. I've overcome it. Right? Uh, uh, I, I, I love the promise that Paul said to the Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Think about that. Most of us here at some point in our age where we're like, ah, glorious? I don't know. Still a couple of you holding out hope with your eight-pack abs, right? But most of us are like the one-pack, not doing it, right? It's going to be glorious someday? Yeah. It's just by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. He is coming again. He is going to give us eternal life. He is going to give us new bodies that are suited for eternity. They will not age. They will not be broken. There's times where it's like hard to believe. You cling to his promise. Cling to it. I love Revelation where it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more grief, no more pain. That's hard to believe sometimes, right? Because there's a lot of pain in this world. And yet, Jesus has promised there will come a time where I have eradicated it completely. Do you believe that? Right? I love also in Philippians when Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, some of you need to hear this right now, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Right? If you're a Christian and you feel like I'm going nowhere, I'm broken, I've messed up, he started the work, he's going to complete it. It's not up to you. That's the promise. He's not like, well, Jamie, if you read your Bible every day and you go to church and you stop going to rated R movies, I'll complete the work in you. That's not what it says. He began it. He's completing it. Period. So you can leave here saying, all right, it's time. Get back to it. Believe because he's doing something in my life. He's promised. Hard for me to see what's going on. But I believe. Paul wrote in Romans, Right? That for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So if you're suffering at some point in your life, and you will, you can believe that this will be completely forgotten someday because of the glory is so big and so powerful. This one is one that I've read at a lot of gravesides. A lot of gravesides. It's a good one for gravesides. Jesus said this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. This is a promise. What a promise when we bury a brother or sister and say this isn't it for them because Jesus promised and we believe. And last one, that I wanted to mention, I could give you dozens and dozens and dozens more. 
No temptation has overcome you, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. This is a promise. Whatever your temptation is, lust, pornography, addiction, drugs, uh, cheating on your taxes, or whatever it is, right? It feels overwhelming. He's promised he'll give you the way out. He's promised you can believe in that darkest of night. I will not succumb to this. I believe God. Why? Because he's promised, right? He's promised. And so you can have, I could unfold a scroll full of them. If you're a believer in Christ, these are yours today. Promises that he's given you that sometimes are so hard to believe. And so when you wake up in the morning, right, and you're, I don't know if you're like me, and you're like, oh, Anybody, or is it just me? You guys are all like, woohoo, another day. Is that all you? Yeah, okay, sure. All right. Some of you are like me, and you get it, and you're just like, oh my gosh, because the weight of everything you got to do, the stress of whatever's going on, what, you know, work, or with your kids, or your marriage, or your health, or whatever, financial, right? And you're just like, I just want to go back to bed, right? And, and yet, you can memorize, or if you're not a big memorizer, list them out, put them in the mirror where you brush your teeth, or put them in your car when you're driving, or put them, you know, somewhere where you're going to see them, promises that God's made, and cling to them. Those are yours. You either believe God or you don't. I mean, I believe him, but I don't really believe him about that. Well, what is that, right? You cling to his word, even when you can't see. And you cling to his promise, his word, and his power. You see, because promises are only good as you can back them up, right? I mean, somebody else could have went up and said, Hey, Jairus, I'm going to raise your daughter from the dead. Well, that's a great promise. They wouldn't have had the power to do that, only Jesus. And so you can also cling to the power. He's the God who created everything with a word. He's the one who formed you. He's the one that knows you. He's the one who made you. He, like, this is God. He's the one that saved you, right? You lost, dead in sin, saved, right? That's God. And so when you can't see it, it's not like, I don't know. It's God. You don't think he can do it? He can do whatever he says. He's got the power to do anything at a word in his time, in his place, and so you can cling to that. When everyone else says, it ain't going to work for you. You're intense in Egypt for crying out loud. Say, yeah, but God promised, and he's God. He's true to his promise, and he's powerful enough to carry it out, and I will cling to that. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to pray for you and then just give you a minute, and I want you to specifically um, ask God what areas of your life you might be having trouble. Some of you know right away already. Maybe it's prosperity. If you're being honest, your things are going well right now, and you're like, what do I need God for? Or maybe you've seen disappointment, and you're like, I don't really think the world's crazy. Whatever it is, give it to him today. Cling to his promise. Cling to his power. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for, first of all, anyone in the room who's not a Christian, They've just never given their life in faith to Jesus. Speaking of promises, Lord, you promise that whoever confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. Would you 
open the hearts and minds and eyes of those here who need to cling to that promise today and to call you, Jesus, Lord, and believe in you as Savior, that you died for them and rose in victory. Would you save those souls who are not Christians this morning? Father, for those who are, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room, young, old, and in between, some in prosperity right now and some the complete opposite of prosperity. Father, show us where we need you the most, what areas of our life we're not believing. Give us that space, that we, Lord, that we, by your grace, can leave here today and just begin to believe whatever mess we brought in, whatever turmoil, whatever resume that's not something we're proud of, that we can leave it at your feet and believe in your promises, who you are. In Jesus' name. Take a minute to let God evaluate your heart and mind, where you're at with your faith, where it's being tested. Father, I pray that we would leave here with the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things we cannot see, but we believe. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand. As we sing, we're going to sing a song that's great for this week. It's about the fact that everything, every sin, every place we've blown it, it is finished upon the cross.